Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is The West Block, politics, perspectives, and players. COVID-19 began making international headlines in mid-January after China announced its first death of someone who had contracted the virus and reports that the virus had spread to Thailand and Japan. Author and journalist Ethan Liu recently found himself at the center of the outbreak. We reached out to him to hear his story. Take a listen. Ethan, you recently wrote about your visit to China to see your grandfather. When did that visit take place? So it was just a little before, before the start of Chinese New Year. And I think in my view, it was a little before everything escalated. So the day before I left, the coronavirus was in the air. But um, for example, in the Globe and Mail morning newsletter, there were, there were just two lines on the mat and one cartoon. And so while I was in the air, I think everything escalated. When I arrived, Wuhan had been sealed off. And I just saw a very surreal face of uh, face masks just looking at me. Everyone in the city was wearing a mask. And I, mean, I think for, from someone who lives in the West, that is for, it is a very jarring thing to see. What did that feel like? You're hearing very literal about the virus when you take off, and then by the time you land, you're landing in a place where the human geography was very different than you'd seen in previous visits. Yeah, it felt very surreal. It felt as if I was stepping into a different world. And um, so I, I did grow up in Singapore, and I remember the SARS crisis. So it, it's not entirely foreign to me, but it, it's definitely something I haven't seen in a long time. How much did you know about coronavirus before you left? You said you were reading about two lines in the early morning newspaper, but did you have any sense of how serious it actually was? Yeah, I think I, I knew very close to nothing. I like to think of myself as someone who reads the news, and I'm, I'm a very uh, avid reader of the globe, but uh, in the morning newsletter, uh, just two lines, and um, I, I did not think it was anything that was that was that important at the time. You're also someone who is very well read, yet it seemed that so many of us have been taken by surprise. Was it limited information coming out of China, or, or what do you attribute that lack of knowledge to? Um, I, I think there are probably a lot of factors, and I think one strong factor in that is that uh, China had been accused of covering it up. So... This thing broke out in Wuhan, I believe, sometime in December, and it was only um, it was only sometime in January when the wider world got alarmed. And it was only very recently, I think maybe last week, that the Western markets were affected. When you arrived and got on the ground and you see all of these face masks, describe to me a little bit about what your experience on the ground was like. Right. So... This was quite possibly the last time I'll see my grandfather. So he, uh, his health had been worsening over the past year. So uh, it was quite important that we go to the old folks' home to see him. And quite unfortunately, they were, they were extremely discouraging visits. And every time you're in the old folks' home, you have to put on a face mask. And the, after the first visit, they told us that it's best you not go anymore and after and right during the second visit, um, my family and I, we got kicked out of the seniors' home, told never to return. And so that was that was during the that was the first day of Chinese New Year. And I think the situation just got a lot more serious since that day. And so we were back in Beijing a couple of days later. And 
I think I basically lived like a prisoner, you know, like in one of those uh, maximum security prisons where you're inside for 23 hours a day and and you go out one hour a day to work out. That was exactly what he, what we did uh, at this uh, at this university where my uncle teaches. Uh, until one day, that university campus got shut down as well. They they tripled security at the gate, and they just told us we could not go in. And that was that was that was life in China. What was the moment when it crystallized for you? When you realized just how serious the situation was? Oh, it kind of crystallized right when I arrived. I think the the delta between like what I was feeling and what I was seeing, uh, because uh, to to get landside after you clear Chinese immigration, there's an unusually long barricade. So you, you basically see a lot of people pressed against it uh, to receive the the travelers, and it was just a very surreal face uh, wall uh, full of face masks. It's like uh, it's like when you watch the uh, V for Vendetta, all those people with uh, with all the masks, you know, just expressionless, but telegraphing something dark. What did that feel like? This odd displacement of people and masks, but also the fear of the virus compounding that as well. Were you afraid of getting it? Uh, me personally, no. And I guess I, I've never been very concerned about such things. And I think I'm a fairly healthy young man. And, uh, you know, the the death rate for people who get it in my age group is under half a percent. But I, I did worry about uh, about my grandparents. I, I think um, if one of them gets it, they'll just die. And and my, my parents especially, they, they worry also that uh, if there's something wrong with my with my grandparents, they, they might not be able to make it to the hospital. There, there might not be uh, whatever they have might not be prioritized because everyone is dealing with uh, coronavirus. When you were in China, what was your sense on the authorities and whether they were being transparent about what was going on? Did you feel that they were sharing information? Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure how to speak to that because I, um, admittedly, I, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the coronavirus even when I was in China. I was, I was still consuming all the same news as I would in Canada. And it's hard to say. I do know that there have been accusations that the authorities weren't transparent with the information. And as we can clearly see, this this issue, it became a big deal to the wider world only only in January. And whereas it had been raging in Wuhan for quite a while. You were able to see firsthand some of the infection control methods that Chinese authorities were trying to put into place. What did you make of their efforts? Hmm. I, I, I think it definitely uh, it shows something about China. It, all those efforts that we see, they are something that only China is capable of. It has both the resources and the sort of tight central government control to make it happen. Um, for example, when you go to a restaurant in Beijing uh, during the height of the crisis, uh, they, they would just ask to, ask to check your ID to make sure you're not from Wuhan. And... And for a while, the uh, the telco companies rolled out this feature in which you can you you will text this number and the number will send you a list of provinces to which you have gone, and that really shows that the telco companies they are tracking your phone number, they know where you have been. So the the concept of personal privacy, I guess, 
it's a very different idea in China than than what we are used to in the West. And I think this this coronavirus really made that aspect more prominent. Was it difficult for you to get out of China and and get to Singapore? Uh, not at all. Um, I already had a return. I had an onward ticket from China, but I did run into some complications on the day I left. That was because I was supposed to go to Hong Kong before I was in Singapore. I was supposed to be in Hong Kong for a day. I was supposed to visit a friend there, but it turns out that friend, he was in the U.S. and because of the coronavirus situation, it, he decided to just skip Hong Kong. And and then the day I was supposed to arrive in Hong Kong was the day before they were going to quarantine people coming in from the mainland. So somehow my flight got cancelled and I did not know until I arrived at the airport. And there was quite a lot of chaos and pandemonium at the Air China ticket counter. I think I'm not the only one who who had his ticket cancelled without his knowledge. And, you know, uh, I, I saw people crying and the there was a couple trying to to get out of China to go to Canada. Uh, they were just asking the guy, do you have any tickets to Canada at all? Um, but, and so because of everything at the counter, it took me 10 hours uh, before I, before I was able to be on my way to Singapore. What advice do you have for people who want to travel or have plans to travel? What do you think about traveling right now in this environment, given everything that's going on with COVID-19? Um, I, I, I think I'll, I will still say yes to traveling. I, I myself am traveling as well. I, so th- this itinerary, I, I, I had it uh, booked long before this thing happened. I, I was, I'm supposed to be in Germany starting from tomorrow, and I will be in Germany starting from tomorrow. But I, I, I do think, uh, you know, if if you're thinking of visiting uh, one of the, the specific areas that were hard hit by this thing, perhaps you should reconsider your plans. Ethan, thank you so much. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.